Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about Lord, do something. Lord, do something. Um, so we'll be in uh, <clears throat> the 16th stanza uh, here, verses 121 through 128 in Psalm 119. And uh, as we continue through this, uh, we find the psalmist is still surrounded by enemies, uh, but it appears uh, that we catch a glimpse or a hint that he's a little bit impatient on his part. And so let's read the text and pray, and then we'll see what the Lord has for us this morning. Uh, verse 121, Psalm 119, it says, I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void the law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your word, Lord, as we heard the testimony this morning of how it's so timely, Lord, and it meets our needs. And I pray that each one of us would be in the Word, as we ought to be, and Lord, that you just use it to strengthen and encourage us. And Father, we do pray for the Hollingsworth family this week, and especially over the next few days as they really face the reality of the passing of Miss Sonia. And we just pray for your comfort on the family. And Lord, we pray that souls would be saved and that you'd be glorified in it as we go through the next several days with them. And we just pray that you would just encourage them, strengthen them, be with them, and Father, we just ask for your blessing upon Sunday school this morning. Bless uh, this place, Lord, and each teacher as the Word of God is taught. We pray that folks will be attentive and that you do work in each heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I mentioned, the psalmist seems to get a little impatient. He tells the Lord it's time for him to be up and doing. Uh, it's time for you to work, it says there. And uh, we get impatient with God and wonder why he uh, does not work when we think he should and the way he should sometimes. I don't know if that's true in your life, but I know it's true for me. Uh, sometimes uh, things aren't playing out how I expected or really wanted them, uh, whether it was in a, in, a, in a fleshly sense or even for spiritual things sometimes. Things just don't seem to be going the way that I wanted them to go or, or to uh, be moving forward. And, and uh, we kind of get this idea that maybe we know better. Lord, we need you to do a work, and we forget that God's ways are not our ways. Right and, and so, um, or maybe we think we're more mature than we actually are when the Lord begins to teach us some things. Um, you thought you were uh, at a certain level, maybe, so to speak. And we don't necessarily say it, but in our minds, that's kind of how we process life. And it's like, oh, I, I, I have a handle on this stuff. And, and then God really begins to bring events in life, circumstances happen, and you realize, wow, maybe I'm really not where, where I thought I was, spiritually speaking. And so uh, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And so uh, what better place could we go but the creator for the thoughts of, excuse me, the thoughts that we ought to have. And uh, the song that we sang this morning is it. We just need to walk with him daily and allow him to teach us. And, and the psalmist says that here in this stanza. And, and so the psalmist calls out to God in verse uh, 121 there, 
uh, kind of the, the, the mindset here is almost like this is unfair. It's not fair. I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. God, I've been doing what's right. But what's going on here? These, these folks are still oppressing me. Uh, don't leave me uh, to mine oppressors. Uh, in other words, he is saying that he has done the right or that which is right. Now it was time for God to do what was right. It's pretty presumptuous to say, Lord, I've, I've been doing all the right things. And, and Lord, don't leave me here. And uh, sometimes we grow impatient with God when we fail to look at the big picture. Um, God's aperture and, and what he's looking at is far greater than ours. Uh, beyond anything that we can even comprehend, uh, really. And, and if we look at uh, the immediate situation or circumstances, it may seem that the wicked lifestyle is the way to go. You ever been there? Uh, living this Christian life and, and, and you're just trudging along and it's like you look at those others and it's like, man, they got it so easy. They seem so blessed. Things are going so great for them. Let me remind you of Psalm 73 where it says in verse 3, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I've been there. You get a little envious of those things. But uh, when you look at life from an eternal perspective, that changes our perspective. Uh, we come to a different conclusion. Look at verse 73 in Psalm, or verse 17 in Psalm 73. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, when we put that eternal perspective on, then I understood their end. It might look good, uh, but it's not when you look at the end of it. And so sometimes we need to be reminded of of uh, our perspective and what we have to, to look at. The psalmist says, God, don't leave me here, in verse 121. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Uh, and he continues to ask God to act. In verse 122, it says, Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. And he, he says, surety here means to offer security in a bargain or an agreement. The psalmist is calling on God to come and get involved in his situation. He's saying, God, I need you to intervene in these circumstances. And I found some notes on this. It says, on the meaning of the word here rendered, be surety. Uh, it's similarly translated in Isaiah uh, 38, 14. Or, I mean, the same word is translated similarly or differently, I should say. It is rendered, undertake for me. The word means to mix, to mingle. Hence, to braid, to interweave, then to exchange. It means to mix or intermingle interests to unite ourselves with others so their interests come to our own, and hence to make one under our protection, to become answerable for, to be surety for, as when one endorses a note for another. He mingles his own interests, reputation, and means with his. So a cosigner, if you will. Uh, this term is also similarly used in Hebrews 7.22, and Christ becomes the surety for the people. Uh, there, we, we won't take the time to do that, but uh, you, can look, you can make a note of Hebrews 7.22. But uh, the prayer here in Psalm is that God would so speak, mix, or mingle his cause, that of the psalmist together, that he then protect the common cause of his own. Or that he would become a pledge or surety for the safety of the psalmist. This now, through the mediator, we have a right to ask at the hand of God. And when God makes our cause his own, we must be safe. 
So the psalmist is here is saying, God, I need you to become, I need you on my side. Become my surety. Uh, become my co-signer, if you will, if you want to look at it that way. And listen, what greater safety do we have than God on our side? There's no more sure way. Uh, we can come up with all kinds of devices, humanly speaking, and ways that we can get through uh, the circumstances that face us, the difficulties in our lives at times, the trials that we face, the oppressors that might rise up. Uh, but with God on our side, we're more than conquerors. Uh, we have nothing to fear, really. Uh, but again, we have to keep our perspective right. Uh, we have to understand where, uh, God, who God is and, and keep that perspective. And, and have you asked God to be on your side? Have you petitioned him and say, God, I need you? Or do you just assume he's going to be there? Well, I believe in Christ. I, I, I'm a believer. I'm saved. And, and well, listen, what kind of relationship is that? Uh, have you got on your face and said, God, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what these challenges, I don't know how I'm going to face this. God, I need you to be my surety. I need you to show up on my behalf. Because without you, I'm not going to make it. Uh, without you, I can't face these things. Uh, <clears throat> uh, listen, the psalmist then had appealed to God in vain. Uh, I mean, the whole idea of salvation really kind of comes into focus here. Uh, listen, God, uh, in, in, through Jesus Christ and in Christ, is our sole hope of heaven. Uh, that's all we have. He is our unfailing resource uh, in this life. Uh, but listen, I want you to understand, God delights when we go before Him and we ask Him, based on the, uh, the credibility of His Word, that He would come directly and help us, and we become dependent on Him. That brings pleasure to God, I believe. When we, uh, as, as the people of God, come and say, God, I cannot do this on my own. I need you. God oftentimes is just waiting for us to do that. God is ready and willing to work. The X factor oftentimes is us and our willingness uh, to submit ourselves and to seek God and to allow him to work in our lives. And so I ask you, are you doing that? Uh, he cries out for grace and mercy here. God, I need you. Uh, it's not because he deserves it. He's not coming arrogantly saying, uh, I've done these things. And, and yes, he does say, I've kept your word and I've done those things. But I don't believe it's out of an attitude of arrogance. But I believe it's out of an attitude of desiring grace and mercy knowing that he doesn't deserve it. And God is merciful and, and full of grace and will answer. And uh, it says, Mine eyes fail for salvation, or for thy salvation, for the word of thy righteousness. It, you get the picture here? He's, he's waiting for God to do something. My eyes fail for, for me to see what you're doing. And uh, kind of like somebody that might be stranded on a desert island that, that gets out to the highest vantage point and they're looking for a ship or somebody that can help them. Uh, <clears throat> the psalmist has staked everything on the Lord's assurances. There is nothing that can help him but God. And, and he's saying, God, I am, uh, I am waiting. I am looking. My eyes fail for thy salvation. Uh, God simply cannot let him down. Uh, but oftentimes we get impatient. God's not going to fail the psalmist. God will not fail us. Uh, we might not see it in our timing and in our liking, 
and in the circumstances that we would prefer. But God is still working nonetheless. And if we appeal to him, he will be there to uh, give mercy and grace uh, on our behalf. He wants God to act in grace in delivering him, and he really has no doubt that God will, I believe. Lord, I, I haven't seen it yet, but God, I, I'm still waiting. Uh, and that's, I think, where we get in trouble. We get impatient. Uh, and we fail to wait like we ought to be waiting. Uh, verse 124, it says, Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy. The psalmist needed to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. I think this is the key. As we wait for God, God, I haven't seen you, you, you accomplish some of the things that, that maybe you said you're going to do or I want you to do or I'm expecting you to do, but, but God, I need that mercy to help me through this time until that come, time comes. Uh, strengthen me in the inner man. Uh, if God was going to make him uh, go on waiting for, for the deliverance or the redemption, if you will, of this promise, then he needed to be fortified with the word of God. Lord, I need your mercy. I need you to, to build me up and strengthen me with the word. Listen, what else do we have to cling to? We heard the testimony this morning of the word of God just met exactly what they needed at that time. Uh, oftentimes we're facing challenges. We're facing difficulties. And, and uh, we many times go at it alone. When we have a source of, of strength and encouragement in the word of God. If we would just get into it and, and begin uh, looking and seeking God in it. Although he was impatient, he remains teachable. Uh, verse 124, uh, it says there, Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy. Look what it says, and teach me thy statutes. Teach me thy statutes. Listen, this morning, I don't have it all figured out yet, do you? I sure don't. Like I mentioned earlier, sometimes we think we're doing pretty good and we got this, this understanding and then, boy, well, hello. Never would have considered that. Uh, I, I don't have this all figured out. Uh, we better remain open uh, that God might continue to prepare and to teach us His ways. Look what He says there, and teach me thy statutes. I would say that the psalmist here is very familiar with Scripture. Of his day, I mean, you can you can get that throughout the writings that we've seen in, in just this chapter here, um, and, and he has memorized God's word. It tells us he's hiding God's word in his heart, and and he's he's keeping God's word. He's trying to do everything he can to walk according to the word of God. And here he is still saying, "Lord, teach me, teach me." This isn't something you just read one day. Well, I digested that. Uh, I read cover to cover. We're good. That's not how this works. And so we need to remain teachable as we wait on God to do His work. Because uh, we don't understand what God wants to do. We think we do. Right? We know some general will of God, if you will. And, and, but listen, when it comes down to the specifics of how God's going to execute things and make things happen and, and come to reality for us, uh, we don't understand it all. And listen, we just need to say, Lord, teach me thy statutes. Lord, help me to learn more of your word today than I knew yesterday that I might face the challenges of today and tomorrow better. Teach me. And this is coming from, a, from an individual that has labored to live the will of God to this point. 
And he's continuing to ask God to teach him and to instruct him and to guide him. <clears throat> Verse 125, the psalmist makes a, a confession or a commitment here. It says, I am thy servant. In verse 125, the first part of I am thy servant. The word servant here is a little bit stronger than what we often think uh, probably in today's society especially. Uh, <clears throat> it is meant to be a slave. Uh, literally, a purchased possession. A purchased possession. As such, God has the right to demand our unquestioning obedience. So the psalmist is saying, I'm your servant. Uh, I don't have the right to question what you're doing. Uh, but how oftentimes do we do that? We get impatient. Uh, we grow frustrated over circumstances, and we don't understand it. And, and, uh, but uh, the psalmist here uh, reminds himself maybe that I'm thy servant. Lord, I'm just a possession. And this morning, uh, need I remind you of, of those that are in Christ, they are bought with a price. We know 1 Corinthians uh, 6.20 and verses 7, uh, 73 tell us that we're bought with a price and therefore we ought to glorify God and, and not serve men. Those verses teach us. And, and then Acts chapter 20 and 28 says this, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the, all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, and look what this says, which he hath purchased with his blood. Listen, if you're a believer this morning, if uh, listen, you've been purchased. Uh, and it was a price, a heavy price. We have no right to question what God is allowing to happen in our lives. God deserves our unquestioning obedience. If God says it when He teaches us those statutes, when He when he wakes us up at 3.30 in the morning and, and gives us something through the Word, we have no right to question what He's trying to teach us and what He's trying to lead us and guide us into. Uh, we don't have a right to question the trials that we face. We just have to simply understand that, listen, I'm your servant, Lord, and I just need to walk with you day by day. Teach me thy statutes. Help me, Lord, to be obedient to what uh, the Word of God has for me. Listen, this morning you're bought. Quit trying to live on your own. Quit trying to figure it out on yourself. Quit trying to, to determine how you're going to live this life. Uh, but submit yourself to the leadership of God and allow Him to do it. Uh, and we'll be much better off if we would do that. If we could get a hold of that truth, and, and uh, it would really help us. And in verse 125, in, in the latter part of that, it says, Give me understanding. Again, he's asking, uh, for understanding. He's not necessarily questioning God why, but he sought to better understand God. God revealed this some things to me. Help me to see it from a different way, maybe. Uh, the way we know God is through his word. We know that, and so we need to be in his word and, and give me understanding. Uh, <clears throat> then it goes on in, in 125c, that I may know thy testimonies. That should be our request. Lord, give me some understanding so I can understand you or your word better. Excuse me. That God would give us understanding that we might know him better through his word. Is that your prayer? As you face life, uh, as you go through this, this life day to day, and 
Are you truly looking for God's understanding of him and his word? Uh, we go through whatever the case may be, circumstances. We're going to start the beginning of the typical work week tomorrow. Looking forward to it, right? We're going to see some things. Uh, we're going to interact with people. Uh, we need God's understanding of his word uh, and, and of this life to help us navigate those waters. Give me understanding, Lord. And uh, the psalmist here, maybe he gives a complaint in verse 126. It is time for the Lord to work. That's pretty presumptuous. Lord, it's time for the Lord to work. Uh, how presumptuous for us to think that we can tell God when he ought to go to work. Uh, the Air Force tells me when I go to work. Um, uh, crazy to think that we could say, God, it's time to go to work. But how often do we do that in our attitude, in our actions? God, I'm expecting you to do something here in my timing. I want to see you do something. Uh, or worse yet, uh, maybe we presume to tell him uh, what he should do. Do we forget that he is a sovereign and almighty God? <clears throat> One thing that we can be assured of is God will work. And so when we see the psalmist here, it is time for the Lord to work. And, and I believe he understood that God is working. Um, and listen, the difference is we don't have any control over how he will accomplish his will and his timing. Uh, everyone wants to see God work, and, and we do occasionally, and it's exciting. Uh, we can rest assured that uh, what God does will always be for our best. It's time to work, Lord. I, I want you to do this in my life now. Uh, I, want, I want to see these results today. Well, that might not be what's best for you. And I think every one of you would think of uh, Romans 8, 28 here and, and how God works and He's always doing those things for our good. And, and uh, <clears throat> do you guys remember Joseph and all that he endured? Um, no doubt at times it must have been hard for him to see what God was doing. Uh, in, in the trials and in the challenges that that, uh, that man faced throughout his life, but he stayed the course, he remained faithful to his God. Really no evidence in Scripture that he really questioned what God was doing. But he faced some, some troubles, uh, far greater than most of us. And, uh, but all the while, believing God would work things out. No way he could understand it all. No way he could look down the, uh, the halls of the future and say, well, uh, I guess this is going to bring about good for the family. Uh, I don't think he had that view. But the view that he did have is knowing that God was working and that whatever God was doing was going to be good or the, really the best for him. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. We know the end of the story. And all those things that he goes through in his life and, and, and to bring... Uh, <clears throat> salvation to the many people, it says there, to save much people alive. How trivial our trials seem in comparison. 
yet we are so easily discouraged. Look at the life that he lived. The trials and the challenges that he faced. And all he did was remain faithful to his God. And God brings it all back around for good. Yet in our day, we get a little frustrated at work or uh, we get a little upset because the results or the expectations that we had aren't met. And we get all discouraged and down about that. Listen, we just need to be obedient servants and walk with our God like the psalm said, or, or the hymn said earlier, just take it one day at a time. Walk with our God today. That's all that we can control. And allow God to control the tomorrows and the future and, and allow Him to do His work. And So as we, as we bring this to a close, verses 126 through 128, rather the, the latter part of 126, it says, for they have made void thy law. And so this really is the basis for the requested action from the psalmist. So he's, Lord, I need you to work. And uh, because they have made void thy law, uh, the, the wicked have made void or totally disregarded the word of God. Uh, no doubt that is discouraging for the people of God. Uh, when we see uh, those that uh, are not on God's side that would uh, make void the things of God. And uh, listen, God will judge the wicked and the, on the basis for that judgment will be his word. God is going to deal with all that. Um, they made void the law. Uh, John 12, 48 says this, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. Uh, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so listen, God's going to bring it all around uh, and take care of all of it. Uh, whether we have to understand it or not uh, is really irrelevant. We don't need to understand it. We just need to trust God that he's going to take these things uh, and, and deal with them. And he, in verse 127, he says, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, above fine gold. Again, we see this uh, really interesting claim. The psalmist staked uh, his claim in God. Uh, I love thy commandments above gold. What he coveted most was not the wealth of the world, but the wealth of the word. And what more can we really cling to today? But is that truly our heart's desire? Can we say that like the psalmist says? Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. The most precious, if you will. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Psalm 119, speaking of the word of God. It's so precious to the psalmist. Can we make such a claim? That nothing in this world, no, none of the wealth that this world has to offer is more important. Is the word of God more important to us than what this world has to offer? I think oftentimes our actions would indicate otherwise. Uh, the time that we spend investing in activities would indicate otherwise. Time that could be invested in the reading and study of God's Word is squandered on movies and television or on leisure activities. And I'm not saying those things are wrong uh, completely, but I, I did see a meme from a preacher friend of mine 
uh, Bill Marshall, uh, he's pretty active on Facebook for a preacher, but um, uh, he put a meme up there and it was this family that had a four-sided TV in the center. Uh, and dad was over there with a remote. Mom was over there fixing her hair, watching her TV, and the two kids were watching two different TVs, and, and it said, this is the problem with America. And I submit to you this morning, this is a problem with Christianity. I don't believe that we value the Word of God like we say that we do. When we start to evaluate how we invest ourselves in things, our time and in our efforts and our energy, are you investing in the Word of God like it's the most precious thing to you? Are you going to God's Word and trying to draw out those things that are so vital and important to help us get through the challenges of our lives? I love thy commandments above gold. Look what it says, yea, above fine gold. Not just that, what is it? Is 10 carat less than 14 carat, right? Yeah. He likes it better than both. I don't know much about jewelry, but, uh, but I do know gold is very valuable. I'm not, I'm not an imbecile. Um, and so, but listen, where are you investing yourself? Spiritual things? The things of God and His Word? You make the claim that the psalmist does? Really, that that's the most precious thing to me? And look at verse 128. It says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. I've come to the conclusion that God's word is right. I mean, that's pretty simple. I mean, what a, what a blessed thing, and it is. And, and I hate every false way. Uh, the psalmist has lived his life to the point where he understands that God's word is right, and there's a bunch of clowns out there that have false ways. Uh, listen, and we need to be careful that we don't follow our ways. But that we would get into the word of God and ensure that our ways line up with the word of God and his ways. And that we would go that way. And it says, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. Everything in life, uh, from God's perspective, from his word, and how he looks at it through the lens of the Bible is right. You cannot go wrong with God's word, is what he's saying. For every aspect in every area addressed, it's right. Uh, and consequently, he hates the false ways. Who, who likes going the wrong way? I don't. Um, one of the first times I came uh, east on Interstate 90, um, uh, I'm from Washington, and so uh, coming east, we got to uh, the uh, interchange where, I think, is it 15 comes before 25? Uh, but there's also a weird spot on there where you stay on 90, and it, or it changes, was it 94 that goes to North Dakota? Something like that. And uh, I was supposed to be going south eventually, but I got on 94 instead of staying on 90, I think is what happened, if I remember right. Uh, that was unpleasant. Um, nobody likes going the wrong way. You got to turn around, backtrack, waste fuel, waste time. Uh, it's pretty irritating. Uh, listen, uh, the psalmist says, I hate every false way. Listen, when you expend your energy and your time and efforts in anything that's not in line with the word of God, you're wasting your time. It's pointless. It's fruitless. It's meaningless. It, it's a waste of your time. You ought to hate those things that are contrary to the things of God and and uh, what a great statement. It says, the Bible, if it says something, that settles it for me. 
the psalmist says here. Uh, the Bible is always right. Uh, we can't go wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar, Romans 3, 4 tells us. But Psalm 119 and 160, and we'll get to this in the, in the coming weeks, it says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So not only is it right, it's eternal and unchanging. And what a blessed thing to know that we're seeking and, and walking with the God that, that is doing a work uh, that's eternal and endures and, and it's sure. Uh, if what someone says contradicts the Word of God, uh, contradicts the Bible, uh, then they are wrong and the Bible's right. There's going to be people out there that say, oh, look, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I, I, I have this thing called an education. And uh, I've come to the conclusion that this is so. Uh, well, if the Bible doesn't agree with that, they're wrong. Uh, they're not necessarily going to be that blunt about it and say, well, the Bible's wrong. And I'm, uh, but rest assured, they will be asserting their rightness. But if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's wrong. And really, it's that simple. Where else to go but the Creator? It's foolishness to do anything else. Foolishness. Listen, this morning, there may be times we find ourselves like the psalmist, becoming a bit impatient with God. I've been there. I've lived it. Uh, you, you want some things. And uh, when God doesn't not act in, in the manner that we expect Him to, and uh, we got to understand we, that it's not God that needs to change. And He's not going to change, by the way. Um, he's not the one that needs to change. We need to seek more understanding, like the psalmist says from his word, and focus our attention on who God is rather than what we uh, what he does or what he does not do. Don't focus on those things. Just ask God for a greater understanding of what he's doing. And listen, trust him that he's working things out for your good. The word of God tells us that. Uh, do we know him as we should? Oftentimes I've found myself as I uh, do get frustrated in the Christian life and uh, in this life that oftentimes it's because I realize I don't know God how I ought to. I'm still learning. Uh, so do you know Him as you should this morning? Are you seeking Him in His, in, in his Word uh, to give you some things, to give you that understanding? Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my heart through this uh, section of Psalm 119. And I pray that you just continue to work in our lives, Lord. And I pray that you'd help us to uh, keep an eternal perspective, Lord, and just have faith and walk with you daily. And Lord, just trust you to bring the, uh, the end results. And Father, we pray for the service to follow now. We ask that you would do a work in each and every heart. Pray, Lord, that you would challenge the believer to walk closer to you. And Lord, that you would just work in the hearts of those that need Christ, help them to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.